Welcome to the Plus Six Podcast. My name is Pete and I go by the name of AFL Ratings Pete on Twitter. Welcome to a man you know on Twitter as JetBetDT. Welcome to the show, Jet. Hey, Pete. We are closing in on round one. How exciting, firstly. Secondly, how's your team build going? Yeah, slowly and surely. I'm always working at it, like most of us. But, um, yeah, looking pretty good this time of year. Okay, uh, as news comes to hand, always make necessary adjustments. Pretty standard line for me on this podcast because this year we're going to see uh, pretty evolving, snappy, quick sort of news coming out, especially with an expected COVID-type impact. And, of course, the news is still being crushed out on AFL Ratings Network. The content is free. Likes and retweets are always appreciated. All right, Jeb, so let's get into it. How close are you to finalising your round one team? Uh, not even close. Um, lots, lots still to work through. Um, and with the rolling lockout first game Wednesday, it's going to be pretty hard to finalise a team before probably Saturday of the first round. So ever-evolving, always got a backup plan, you know me. So, no, not close, but not panicking. Yeah, so obviously we're going to be waiting uh, intently over social media on team announcements for debuts. So that's going to be really critical. So hopefully teams can get in into that uh, Tuesday and Wednesday. You know, heading into round one, I think we might get a couple pop out. Uh, we know Port Adelaide are really good, so we're looking after Josh Sin there. So... Um, yeah, that's going to be play a big part into our final round one team. So that's really important. From my point of view, I'm really close to finalising my team. Um, I'm pretty comfortable with who I've got uh, as my under 300k type players. So uh, I'm presuming they're all playing because I'd be quite shocked if they are not. Um, based on what we've seen and based on coach speak and everything that I take into consideration with regards to making decisions. So, again, it's building that player profile, and I'm really comfortable for where that sits. Um, yeah, so I'm, I've got like three, just looking at my team now, I've got 725k to spend, and I'm pretty much after three uh, under 300k type players to finalise it, and that'll be flushed out over the next few days. So from my point of view, I'm actually really comfortable. All right, let's move on to the next one. So team structure will be important, as usual, of course, always the same thing. How comfortable will you be in the defensive part of the ground? Yeah, no, I'm very nervous about that. Is it, there's obviously not many rooks that we can pick from, and, um, yeah, it's causing some angst. So whether there are no rooks in the defender six or or potentially one brook, it's sort of up in the air, and hence why my team's ever-evolving. Um, I don't trust Sam DeConning in the six, I, I, although he played well on Monday night. It was a bit, you know, of a unique game for him in the sense where practice match, turn, um, move the ball around, and I, although he played well, there's there's a few issues. So, no, lots of sleepless nights with the defenders. The primos are set, though. It's just the uh, the cheaper you know, 400k and under. So from my point of view, last week I was very uncomfortable the way that that was looking at. So after uh, the week of the Amy Community Series, just looking at it, looking at my structure, I'm actually pretty comfortable now. So uh, my, my eight defenders are now pretty much locked in. I don't think I'm going to be changing off them. 
So uh, from where I was a week ago to I pretty much had one player <laughs> out of my eight in defence into wow. now I've got eight and I'm actually really comfortable with the way that sits. So just on that defensive structure there as well. So it's really important to acknowledge here is that, you know, uh, we're going to be struggling for players under 300K. So that's, that's a given. Most people know that. So we might get one or two pop up, but you always take into the take into account their scoring potential. So we, you know, might be desperate to get one, one, uh, 190K in there, but if there are a fringe player coming in, just say, just say for a COVID uh, relief, you know, you might only get one game. So for me, the way I've thought about building my defensive structure is long-term. Yeah, I'm just, I'm, it's it's pretty much based on the long-term. Uh, I'm not saying that that's high spend, but I'm, I'm just taking the long-term strategy for the defensive part of the ground to start the year. So if one pops up at 190k next week, which, you know, if they're fringe 22, you know, again, COVID replacement, I, I actually might ignore that. So it'd be interesting to see the way news flushes out over the next week and a half before round one and um, how if anyone makes uh, reasonable changes to their defensive uh, bench to fit other players in because I think, you know, over the period of the... So, obviously, generating a lot of money is still critical in this game. So, my thought process is, you know, I, I you know I don't want to pick one a player for just one game. So, I've really got to take that into consideration. So, again, the other part there for me here, Jep, is, you know, a lot of people might just strip out players out of the midfield and out of the forward line, you know, high-quality scoring type players and stick it in their back line. I've said for a long time this podcast, and you've tended to agree for most part of it, is that, you know, defenders can score that flat average. So, you know, are we choosing their players, you know, at 800K or whatever? Because, I mean, they're, they're pretty much going to be locked in for the season. So, you know, does that then sort of strip away... Uh, the earning potential and scoring potential. You know, if we start spending in like a, you know, like obviously Whitfield's going to be highly owned, but if we go Lloyd and Crisp and, you know, stack it because we've got some rookie issues and, and players under 300k issues, you, you're sort of taking away from the scoring aspect of that. Not only that, you know, that, you know, we're going to talk about the rucks in a second here, is that, that that actually potentially, you know, if you're looking at the Gorn and Grundy combo to start with, that pretty much gets you off that combination to start with. So I think it's really important here for people to understand where their spend is going and what impact that does. And not only that, we've talked, we talk about ownership on this pod quite a lot. Is it how many other people do you know that are, you know, you know, people posting their teams on social media and that, yeah, look, it's all great. It's good, good communication. And for those who promote the game, it's all good. I've got no problems with but if you're really trying to win this game, there's no way I'd be sharing any part of your information. So <laughs> so people giving out that type of information, you, you sort of have a bit of a squeeze at their team. Where are they heading? You know, what type you know, they finished in the top hundred last year, where are they heading? So you can get get a bit of a grasp on where, you know, potentially the field's heading, so you might want to set yourself in a different direction. So plenty to outtake from that, Chip. Your what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I just want to add like the players of value. So We've got to not lose sight of picking the players of value. Um, even if we're overspending in one line, like the defence, you're still looking for the value. And I think I've flicked through the list of defenders today, the full list, every single defender-eligible player um, at least twice today, just to make sure I wasn't missing anything, just checking, you know, doing some research and a few um, left-field picks. And, yeah, I'm all about the value. Yeah, absolutely, 100% important. So we can't ignore that. 
Um, no, and, and and sometimes that gets lost in the excitement of of what we've just seen in the in the games this weekend and over the Amy series. So, um, you know, by all means, Took Miller dominated Geelong and looked super fit and all the rest of it. But does he present value? Obviously, maybe not. So, the, just yeah, pleading with coaches not to lose sight of that, especially in times where we don't have the rooks at our disposal as we normally would. Okay, we're moving on to the ruck structure here now. So it's going to be really interesting, Jeb, how people set up their rucks to start the year. So uh, there's a lot to take out of here. And again, if, if we're looking, talking about defence, you know, you could be strip, stripping out of money out of a position, and that could be that ruck position. So um, I like the Gorn and Grundy combo to start the year, but I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm going to get there. It's probably my preferred option. But again, basically where I'm setting my team is that, you know, I don't think I can get there to start with, which is I'm still trying to fit it in. Like, like so for me, that's where I want to head. So uh, where do you think you're going to head there? Yeah, I'm struggling with the Gorn and Grundy combo because my rule, my, one of my primary rules this season is to start with 12 primos. So to have basically two 1.8 million in your starting ruck is is really hard to balance everywhere else. And again, I, I referenced the defence because it's unlikely I'm going to have a rook in my defender six um, unless something presents itself. So, yeah, it, it's been tough, It you know, especially with Bruce um, getting rubbed out and, mm. um, you know, I, I'm not comfortable with Marshall, with, with Ryder's situation, we don't know much about that. So it's been really tough and, and I feel like that's going to, dictate well will dictate um positions elsewhere but yeah trying to get 12 primos and a balanced team with gorn and grundy has been super hard super difficult for me yeah we did chat off uh offline there a little bit when um Proust, uh took grundy down and and i did say to you he, he's in trouble because the, yeah. rules, the rules have changed this year so um that's what people have really got to acknowledge i see social media blowing up about maynard and that but Obviously, um, the conversation in the AFL, for those that follow the NFL, you just know, you know, the AFL is following suit. You're protecting the players at all costs there. So, you know, for, for the potential to cause injury, you know, that's going to be a suspension. So it doesn't matter if there's no outcome on the other side. That's been flipped on its head this year. So, you know, as soon as I've seen that happen from Pruz, because Darcy Wilmot, it was pretty much the same thing in the practice yeah. match. So, you know, people really got to, quickly realise here, and this is obviously when you're watching it from a fantasy perspective, we see that from Bruce, and, and my thought, you know what, I'd actually swapped him into my team, like, uh, and I guess many other players had actually done this, uh, fantasy coaches as well, had swapped him into the team watching that game, and as soon as I seen that, he was out of my team, because I go, there's no chance he's not getting away with that. So again, you know, Grundy got up in that, but, but those rules have changed this year, so just something you really got to keep an eye out for. Oh, maybe not from a fantasy perspective, but from a footy perspective, is that the AFL will be doing everything, and now the rules are written in the tribunal, and the AMA MRO to, to back that up. So we're going to see a lot more of it this year. Uh, the AFL is going to protect the players, um, and that's in the umpires' decisions as well, giving away the free kicks, and we get on the Sicily for 50 years and all that rubbish as well. But it is a changing landscape, so we need to sort of adapt from that point of view. Yeah, but um, so just back onto the ruck situation, is that, yeah, when Bruce had done that, I flipped him out of the team. We chatted on and off uh, of why I thought that he was he was going to get rubbed out. That 
did happen. So that all of a sudden, you know, people were messing around with their teams on Sunday, and now we get to, you know, Tuesday night we're recording this podcast on March 8, is that, you know, Pruce is obviously well out, you know, the, the penalty for one game has been accepted. So that's not even an option for us now. But you might want to keep it in mind, just if, just in case if one of your rucks has issues in a couple of early rounds, you might be able to go to him. So keep that in mind for a bit of a strategic move, uh, potentially in round two. So you just don't, don't know where you're going to end up there. But yeah, the ruck situation, uh, I want to get to Gorn and Grundy, but I don't think I'm going to get there. So just final thoughts on that, Chip. Yeah, it's about playing with the options. I know Marshall's another popular option, whatever you feel comfortable. But for me, it's about maintaining 12 premiums. And if I can do it with Gordon Grundy, I will. Uh, and that's the ultimate goal. Well, the other thing there was Gordon Grundy is the same buy. So, yeah. you know, that I was think, I was messing around with before and it just reinforces me. If, if you're going with Gordon and Grundy and you obviously want them for the whole home and away season, you know, once you get to their buy, you're limiting the players that you can put on field. You know, hopefully you have a, a, a someone in a backup position, but you're actually limiting how many players you can get on the field, obviously, max 18 of the buy period. So, you know, you just don't want to limit yourself there. So just have a bit of a think about that. So that could play into your selection early. And, you know, obviously after, if you don't have Gorn or Grundy at their buy, you can target them after. But I still think they're going to be pretty strong scoring combination. Your thoughts there, Fold? Yep. Yeah, no, they'll definitely be the top two rucks at the end of the year. Let's um, let's back our decisions though, whatever we do. Um, but yeah, it's um, ideally it would be Gordon Grundy. Hopefully, we can provide some more information to uh, enlighten you guys out there, and also sort of set you on a path to establishing your final team. Uh, we'll do another podcast at the end of this week. I think we're going to record on a Sunday or Monday, so just keep an eye out for that early in the week next week, uh, because obviously we've got a Wednesday start next week, so uh, round one kicks off Wednesday night. So we want to give you uh, listeners out there a bit of time to listen to that and consume that. Because I'm expecting that to be potentially, you know, 60 to 90 minute listen. So uh, we'll go through as many players as we can. Thank you again for sending those requests in and yeah we'll talk plenty about it and be just final decision making so it'll be another week you know three or four days after this podcast now we're recording is we're going to absorb more information that potentially comes out we might have a few situations where we, we got some um players locked in for a debut hopefully that's the case maybe not by the time we record but you know we can sort of get some some sort of confidence based on coach speak so therefore we can set ourselves in a direction to finalizing our team all right Jeff, we are talking afl fantasy season long classic mode uh, this discussion is post the amy community series and we will discuss in groups of each game so this podcast is being recorded as i said on tuesday night march 8th Again, make necessary adjustments as news comes to hand. Let's get into it, Jeb. So Carlton Melbourne, obviously the, the big talk there, and you know, everyone's seen Patrick Cripp, so it's a few days now past the Patrick Cripp show, but he did look fantastic. No, he did. He looked in the Cripps that we knew. Um, he looked confident. He moved well. He's ticking all the boxes, especially his price. So definitely a value pick that's going to push a potentially be a top 10 mid this year so lots of light yeah definitely a high midfield that's right he could be targeted for a tag that's what I was thinking because once you see the scores you think well you know plenty of people are going to head in that direction because he does offer significant value but you know what you know we're not picking players based on their Amy Community Series score we're actually trying to forecast them out for the season he's a potential to get tagged you know how many players teams are running with tags this year we're not sure 
So I think it's all good. I think, you know, monster value, uh, again, yeah, a lot of boxes ticked right there for Crips. So if you're heading that direction, got no problems with that. All right, Jeff, so George Hewitt, uh, going to be in those centre bounces for the Blues. So Sam Walsh, we've got to acknowledge, is out of that team due to injury. Um, he's due to come back now early in the season, potentially, if everything goes all right for him. So how does that impact Hewitt with regards to his centre bounces? So we're going to say, say here it's Cripps at number one. We're going to say Cherry number two, Walsh in there number three. Uh, we're going to put Hewitt in there as maybe a three slash four. Does Kennedy stay in there now? Where does Hewitt sit with him? How much is his scoring rate going to be? I'm still thinking potential scoring volatility, and especially if you're throwing Walsh through there. But there's much to like about his preseason. I think he's going to be okay for the Blues. I think he's going to be okay. I wouldn't um, argue with anyone who's starting with Hewitt, that's for sure. But, uh, yeah, for me, um, I'm on the outside looking in for Hewitt at this stage. Yeah, that's interesting. I think he's done enough. He's workmanlike. He reminds me a lot what Voss's um, mantra and message to the team is. So win win the contested ball. Voss has said that numerous times, and that's what Hewitt does. And that's what he's in there to do. So he'll be in the interim room quite, quite a lot. And at 537 grand, he's a lot of value. So Matthew Kennedy in there. So the interesting thing is when Walsh comes in back into that team, what does that do to Kennedy? Um, I think long term it's no good. But I think, you know, again, we talked early in, early this year, Jep, you know, Michael Voss comes in and he's obviously with his career is midfield centric and, you know, it, and he talked about contested ball and that, and that's just right in Kennedy's wheelhouse there. So, yeah, Kennedy looked really good. It's just um, how the mix works and very similar players in Cripps and Hewitt all being contested balls. So um, not one for me, price a bit too awkwardly. Okay, Adam Chera. So... We're going to see high midfield usage from Cherry this year. Got no problems with that. So Walsh will come back into that team, so he'll um, take up a fair bit of ball there as well. And if you're going on to Crips, I wouldn't recommend getting on a Cherry as well because how many, you know, you, you could be t- potentially restricting uh, your scoring output with regards to dollar spent and, you know, potential ability to see opportunities of getting balls balls through that midfield. So my thoughts here is Cherry's pretty much... You know, I think there's value in his prize, but, I, you know, with Walsh and Cripps being the top two, you know, it's pretty much a no for me on Chera. No, a firm no for me too. Um, although he's the classiest of of all the mids in, in Carlton with his finishing skills, I just feel like he um, he'll need to kick a couple of goals to hit the scores we really need. Okay, Mitch McGovern. So I think we're going to see a fair few intercept marks from McGovern playing in defence for the Blues, but is it enough to actually warrant any interest here, Chip? No, not at all. Too risky. we got plenty of other options around that price. Corey Durden. Now, he's small forward, and he's going to be playing round one, I would presume. So the only thing is, is that you're going to get high scoring volatility there. So that's one thing to keep in mind there, Chip. It is, but you look at his energy levels and his tenacity at the contest, I actually... And toying with the idea of starting him. I'm not going to say I'm going to do it. It is a high risk um, approach to do that, being a small forward. But um, no, definitely in my team, one way or another. So in that practice match against St Kilda, he was getting up the ground a little bit to lead up onto a wing and just be that, you know, the delivery option inside forward. Now that was with Kurnow in the team. Obviously, McCoy played last week and Kurnow did not. So, you know, with two two key forwards in there, does that actually sort of push um, Durden up the ground a little bit to get the, you know, potentially? He's up got to, all, yeah. he's got always with him as well. Yeah. So. 
So, so what we're after here is, you know, potentially about a 150 to 55 scores, you know, pretty comfortable. I'd be pretty comfortable with that. But Yeah, I was thinking more 60 to 65 personally. But, again, there's going to be the odd weeks where he scores a 50 or less, isn't there? So predicting that and predicting when that would happen, especially the way, you know, first off the rank is, is Richmond, and you'd think they've got a pretty solid back six. So he'll be up against it, something to toy with, something to think about, but... At least we know he's playing one yeah, way or right. another, you know? Yeah, so if we're desperate, you know, there's an option there. But, yeah, he'll be playing, I would presume. All right, so Max Gorn. So for me, again, uh, it's a big tick for Max. Just can't get him into that team at the moment. Desperate too. So um, no issues there. Edward Jackson in the team. Your thoughts there, Chip? Yeah, again, it's it's going to suit a few. Um, I'd just be wary if coaches out there, if you're starting Max, do you have 12 primos in the field? I, I'd be really pushing hard for 12 primos. Christian Petrarca, a bit of a look, different look for many out there if they head in the Petrarca direction, but I don't mind it, and he does have a ceiling. And if the Demons can win plenty of ball this year, so, you know, they're going to potentially junk it up. You know, this is another thing. You're thinking about a little bit of strategy here. Like, Demons are a really strong team now, and they'll be right at the pointy end of the season again. So if they start to blow away teams, and I would presume that they're going to be in that sort of zone for a long time, you know, they could see a lot of junk time opportunities there, Jeff. No, Petrarca's definitely one I'm watching and wanting um, for that reason, mate. He is on a mission. He's determined. I, you know, watching the um, the Melbourne Grand Final doco today, tonight, um, a lot to like about the young fella. And um, he's still got plenty to prove to all of us. I think he's only scratching the surface. Okay, so his teammate, Clayton Oliver. So high ball winner. We know his high centre bounce usage. No problems were there. The role's all good. So now ownership will be low, so it's potentially you can head in that direction there as well. And again, same boat as Petrarca. If they get into situations where they're blowing teams out late, he can win enough ball of it during a competitive game. So put him in a situation where he's going to win plenty of ball in potential junk time. You know, that could be ceiling time. It is. Um, I, I just... I think I've said this before on the pod, but Oliver's one that can stagger to 100, and, um, yeah, I think someone with a ceiling or a premium with a ceiling, um, much better than Petrarca's, is um, is more viable. Western Bulldogs versus Brisbane. So let's get into it. Jack McRae, high-ceiling player. He's going to play a heap through that midfield. No issues there. Um, I think he's going to be targeted pretty solidly. So for me, I like it. Yeah, not Rolls-Royce of, of fantasy footballers, isn't he? Uh, keeps on keeping on. The role hasn't changed. Nothing will change in his scoring potential either. Yep. So Adam Trelaw might see a little bit of outside usage this year, so that's fine for me because he'll still win plenty of it. So under the roof at Marvel Stadium there for the Bulldogs as well. Keep that in mind. So there are going to be plenty of opportunities just to run around and get the ball. So he was assessed for a shoulder concern on the weekend, as per Mitch Cleary. So you just got to keep that in mind. You know, he has been the injury prone over his career. So, um, you know, I have him in my team at the moment. But, yeah, that's just uh, that's one to keep an eye out for that he's already in for scans. But, you know, obviously players get a heap of scans throughout the year anyway on anything possible, anything hot, anything cold, uh, any type of shoulder concern. So the clubs are more cautious now. So just on Chalor's scoring output, I think it's going to be pretty solid. So it's, you know, forward positioner as well. You can lock him in and just, you know, collect the points there, yeah, I agree. I, I've got him in my team too, and I think there's a lot to like about Trelaw this season. He he um, was running freely in those two pre-season games, and yeah, let's just monitor his shoulder issue, but uh, all looks good. 
So Marcus Bontempelli will be used through a pretty strong rate through the midfield now. Luke Beveridge on radio this morning. So he pretty much says that, you know, key stocks, key tall stocks there, the Bulldogs, uh, you know, they're a bit limited for availability at this stage. So that potentially could see Bontempelli move forward, you know, potentially during games or he might start forward at times. So just keep an eye out there for Bont. So for me, from that point of view, it's a no to start with, Jip. Yeah, no, for me as well. So uh, the one thing Beffo also talked about uh, post-game and also this morning as well is the Tim English. So the want is to get Tim English. Now he's 24 years of age, so he, he is hitting his prime as a ruck. So he obviously he's lightly framed compared to others out there, but he has put on a stack of weight since he got drafted. So... Um, and he can score. So this is where the interest lies with English. Um, his salary is a little bit awkward for me. I'm not really keen. If it was 150k less, I'd be really keen. But he's just at that awkward price. But, okay, so the inf- so the information Bevo gives out this morning is that, yeah, obviously, again, they want him to put him in the rack. But with key, tall, um, position-type players uh, unavailable at this stage of the season, you know, he could spend time forward. So... There might be a lot of volatility here still, but you know if he, um, Stephen Martin's available and in that team at the moment. So what's that going to do to this situation? And we know Bevo uh, does like to target opposition on a week-to-week basis and just not roll out with the same unit and just say, "Hey, go play our game." It's actually trying to find an edge or an angle against opposition teams, and who knows what that's going to do with an English. So you might see a 121 week, and you might see a 50 the next week. So it could be a bumpy ride there, Jeff. Yeah, definitely. I, you know, I, I wouldn't touch it. I would. Um, the thing that I don't like about Tim English is the number of hitouts. He's still lacking a little bit in those number of hitouts. If that was up there, then I'd be more interested for sure. Okay, Josh Dunkley. So the one thing that you love to hear, Jeb, is contract year. So that being said, so if Bontempelli sort of moves out there. Uh, that sort of looks okay for Dunkley. We know Libba's coming back into that team. That's fine. No issues there. But contract year and the want, Beveridge says that they want to get Dunkley in that midfield. Now, again, Beveridge might just change that, you know, at round two. So then we'd be all looking like dummies right now. But we can only take him on his word, which, you know, he, again, I've just got to reiterate, he just targets opposition and tries to look from an angle each week. So his lineup looks different and he will flip players around to take, try and take an advantage what of of what he sees as an opportunity. But I think, Dunkley, we're going to see very strong midfield usage. I'd be pretty confident in saying that, but knowing Luke Beveridge, that could change on a week-to-week basis, Jeff. Yeah, it could change, but I'm prepared to take the risk because the upside's huge. We've got a, a potential forward that could score consistently over 110. Okay, Caleb Daniels. So what we're looking at there is a high-scoring defender. He's going to be taking a lot of kickouts and is going to be directing traffic out of the Bulldogs' defence. So uh, the price is reasonable, but, you know, it's high spend. Um, I don't mind it, but I'd probably look to target him throughout the year, Jeff. Yeah, not one for me, mate. Not for Caleb. I, um, I'll stay well clear. I think there are better primo defender options, personally. Okay, we had a look, a good look at Ed Richards here on the weekend. So he's going to be playing off that half-back role. So at his salary, there is interest there for me, at least, Jep. So is he ever interest for you? He is a little bit, but he's not in my team at the moment. I um, sort of put the finger on that. Is he going to really score over 80? Often, probably not. So I'm steering away. Okay, Lockie Neal. So it's going to be high midfield usage for Neal. Uh, don't worry about all those reports previously. So his high centre bounce usage, um, high midfield is going to be scoring quite well. His salary is very generous at this stage. I think he's going to be in that talk of, you know, the top handful of scoring plays for the year. So for me, what is not to like here, Jeff? Yeah, there's not much, mate. He um, is probably 
a safe bet and um, and a discounted premium for sure. Just looking at other players, are Hugh McCluggage, um, he won't be popular, but he uh, will see a little bit more inside usage of this year, so there might be an opportunity there for McCluggage. So any thoughts on him? Yeah, we'd love him, but um, you really can't have Neil McCluggage in the same side at round 14 by players. Um, but I definitely toy with the idea. I've actually... Um, kept him monitoring McCluggage closely, and he looks set for a big year for sure. So in that conversation there as well as Jared Berry, but he's up there in price. So, you know, how many of those lines do you want to start with at Real Madrid? Yeah, it's it's really just dependent, especially with the Gorn-Grundy combo, how many round 14 primos mids can you afford? And we can throw Jared Lyons into that mix there. And I actually think he's going to be negatively impacted with, you know, potentially, you know, we didn't see Cam Rayner come into that team on the weekend. So we didn't actually get any any look whatsoever how that sort of structure looks up with him and how he scores. So we've got him and a couple of uh, players to talk about. But, you know, we're talking on Jared Lyons here. You know, he could be negatively impacted because I think Neil is still really strong. Uh, and once they come to the pointy end of the season uh, and Brisbane in in the finals, is it'll be Lions and Neil at one and two for me. It'll be high rate and it'll be a high usage. So, you know, let's get through the home and away season uh, pretty comfortably from the Lions' point of view. And at the pointy end of the season, let's stack our, you know, big ball winners in, in there like Lions and Neil. So, you know, throughout the home and away season, I think actually Lions could be impacted negatively, Jeff. Yeah, I agree. I think he'll be fine. Um, there might, even if there is this a slight roll twitch or switch, um, he can still find it forward to centre. So, yeah, back him in. So, Zach Bailey, we can put him into our forward line here, Jep. So, the only thing that, you know, we did see on the weekend as well is that, you know, there could be still scoring volatility there. I think he's going to get a decent run through that midfield this year, but I think it's it's just still probably too volatile for me. Yeah, it's a no from me after watching the Amy. Still an impact player, still high-quality possessions no matter what he does, um, he just doesn't get enough of it. So those looking for salary relief would be quite of been disappointed. Unfortunately, Cameron didn't, didn't play on the weekend, personal issues. So I uh, had to take care of those uh, from his point of view. So from a fantasy perspective, we did not get a look at him where we really needed to get a look at him and to see how much ball he could win against quality opposition as well. So it would have been the perfect scenario, but it didn't happen. So we need to adjust. We need to adjust our thinking. So he does provide salary relief. But has he won enough ball in the past? For me, it's definitely a no. And, you know, we could miss it. If he goes off early, we could miss this one, Jeff. But, you know, for me, it's a no. Yeah, it's a no for me too. He, um, again, like Bailey, much of an impact player. Only needs 15 possessions to cut up the opposition. And, yeah, I can't see him consistently getting, you know, plus 80 scores, to be honest. Okay, Hawthorne Richmond. Connor Nash in that midfield there is again, but, you know, no Mitchell, no O'Meara in his team. So what does that look like? You know, we want to see Josh Ward in that in that middle of the ground as well. So Connor Nash, I still think, could be on the out. I think he'll be used in there at times. But, you know, it could be a week-to-week scenario here for Nash. Yeah, exactly. Week-to-week scenarios are too volatile for us, so I'm going to stay clear. Okay, Tom Mitchell didn't play on the weekend. So Mitch Cleary reports that it was just being managed, but then we get to the post-game pressure and uh, Sam Mitchell comes out that he's struggling with a groin issue. So I still think he's ready for round one, and they might have just, you know, he might have been just a bit little sore in there as well. But what we know, we hear groin issues in fantasy. We know <laughs> this to actually just drop and run the other way. So I never actually had Mitchell in my team at all any time throughout uh, this summer and this pre-season, Jeff. So for those who have Mitchell in there, 
Uh, we've seen a lot, you know, obviously we're not saying what Mitchell has is what Matt Crouch had last year, but, you know, we got to this stage last year and, and Adelaide did come out and say, we expect Matt Crouch to play one round one. So, and he didn't play game. So I don't think that, that is this situation here for Mitchell, but, you know, groin issues run the other way. I have no interest in starting with Mitchell yet. No, neither do I. Um, you know, there's plenty of the big dogs that we can pick from. And personally, I think we can only have one of Took, Steele, McRae or Mitch, Mitchell anyway. So, yeah, it's a no. Oh, we got a good look at Josh Ward when he had opportunities through that inside midfield and it looked really good. I have no hesitation in a long-term forecast for Ward and his scoring output is going to be very strong. But what we need to accept is that Mitchell and Amira are coming back into that team at round one. So therefore, you know, Ward could be used on the outside a little bit more. Now, the other thing to take into consideration here is that Hawthorne have been actually really poor in the preseason. I think they're a little bit lost. Obviously got a bit of a change in game style there as well. But, you know, they've, they've been torched in both games. So, you know, does that then get to the situation where Hawks struggle throughout the year? Therefore, therefore, that could actually allow Ward to go into the middle of the ground more because Mitchell wants to see the future of the Hawks. So that's all to play out. But I think he's still a good start at round one. I think he's going to see enough ball uh, to um, generate some money there. So for me, it's uh, a pretty much a big tick there for Josh Ward. Yeah, my views on Josh Water obviously still high, really high. I think his role this year will be a mix of inside and outside. He obviously looked a lot better playing inside. He looked more comfortable and more familiar with with the inside roles, didn't he? So um, there'll be a, there'll be a mix. They've still got to protect his young body, um, but at the same time they've got to develop him and fast track him for for bigger things in the in years to come. So definite starter for most of us. Okay, John Newcomb. I had a big look at John Newcomb this preseason, Chip. I really wanted to potentially go with, you know, a couple of 400 to 500k mids, but, you know, that's not happening now. And John Newcomb was one of those players. So big look at him over the preseason. Uh, we'll be starting in that midfield and starting in that midfield at a strong rate. So if we want Josh Ward, you know, does that potentially impact, you know, how many Hawks players do you want to have? I don't think the scoring rate is going to be really consistent, really high for Newcomb. He's going to have his days, but I just don't like that spend there for Newcomb. So for me, I'm out. No, it's a firm no from me too, mate. There's, um, it's the people around him that scare me off. Um, and even if he hits tons up here and there, it's about consistently hitting a mark, and I don't think he's going to be able to do that. James Sisley. So uh, scoring output was a little bit volatile on the weekend. So he's going to be that intercept marking type player for the Hawks. Now, again, if the Hawks actually struggle this year early, you know, Sicily's going to see a lot of ball coming his way. Is he impacted by the new umpire situation where they're going to just, you know, you put your arms out, it's 50 or a free kick or whatever they're going to do. Does he, is he impacted by that for his free kicks against? Who knows? Keep that into like a 2% of factor factoring in a decision on him. But, you know, if the Hawks do struggle, it could be that situation. You know, I mentioned last year with, with North Melbourne is that, you know, Zebel and Hawks start to junk it up when they're conceding 60, 65 inside 50s a game. If the Hawks are going to get in that situation, you've got to, you know, if the team's inaccurate, you're taking 10, 15 kick-ins a game. So, um, I, you know, Hawks could see a lot of ball in defence this year, and I think that's going to play in the hands of, hands of Sicily. So um, I'm debating it. I'm not there yet. Something to consider. Um, but again, I'm not there yet, Jeff. No, I'm I'm still considering it. I still think he's got a huge role to play for the back six for Hawthorne this year. And um, look, I'm 
turning every door knob to find the value. I need the value and he presents value. Okay, Connor McDonald. I think he's going to be right on that fringe. We we, we could see him as sub, which would be actually no good for us early up. So I think he's going to be in the conversation for round one, but we just need to see how that plays out. Um, I think he looked okay again on the weekend. So your thoughts there, Jeff? Yeah, he doesn't look out of place at all. It's just, yeah, rolling where he fits and we don't want to target those sub-likely players. And... Um, but at the same time, we're pretty desperate for, for Rooks, aren't we? So if his name's, he'll likely be in most of our sides, but should be off the bench, I think. Okay, the other one there is if we throw another mid into the scenario for the Hawks is James Warple. How many mids do we want in this Hawthorne, Hawthorne midfield? We're trying to look at Nash. We're trying to look at Mitchell. We're trying to look at O'Meara. We're trying to look at Ward. We're trying to look at Newcomb. And then Warple in there. I think he's going to be in there a bit this year, Jeb. But, you know, how many people in there? And then how their season plays out, you know, might see an opportunity, more opportunity for Warple to be in there and Ward to be in there. But, you know, for me, it's just... Too many people in that Hawthorne mid- midfield trying to get time, Jeff. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, that's why Newcomb's probably got the line through him first and foremost. But Warple's, you know, seems like he's got a big role to play this year too through the middle. I, I would still back Warple in. It's just the risk of how a player at that price in the early 600s, how he's going to... Um, how he's going to score and, and does he score consistently again. I really harp on the consistency of scoring when you're spending that much. Okay, Jaden Short. So he's going to be that ball distributor at a defence for the Tigers. I think the scoring rate's going to be solid here. Uh, you're paying up for him, but I think it's going to be a solid scoring rate. I think you did say on the podcast last week, you know, might get 121 week, but then he might get a 70. So it's something you've got to keep in mind on. But, you know, no um, Basha Hulley this year. So... And yeah, you know, I think I think it could be an opportunity here this one for Jaden Short, yep. Yeah, definitely. Um if we compare him, you know, Basher four or five years ago and Basher was one of the top six defenders every year, does that mean Short will be? You know, likely. He'll be there and abouts around the mark. Um, yeah, almost eight hundred thousand. But he could see a for, uh, forward tag on him too, because he's only the real decent distributor that um, that they've got. I think they can flick Shane Edwards back there if they have to. Loston's obviously plays a bit taller but still can kick the footy pretty well. So just keep in mind how much attention Short will get. You know, and Ed Kernow could go to him um, in that Thursday night game. So that could break a few hearts. Okay, Hugo Ralph-Smith. A lot to like about him. I think he could settle into that Richmond team quite often. But, you know, how that team lines up for round one, we need to take into consideration. But I've actually liked what he's done over the pre-season here, Jeff. Yeah, me too. Um, Probably a volatile scoring, sorry, and um, more of an impact player. Doesn't get a lot of it. Traditionally, his junior years has never really been an accumulator. So just be careful with that and your selection of spending that much. I definitely wouldn't start with him, and I know a lot of people are, in on, on field as their sixth uh, forward. Just be wary of that. Yeah, I think your scoring output's actually going to be okay. So the way the Tigers take the ball out of the back line, I think that's going to play into the hands of Ralph Smith. So interesting dif- differing thought process there. So I think it's actually a pretty good pick if he gets the go-ahead to play. All right, so Dustin Martin, your mate. So uh, it, this is going to be high midfield usage, Jeb. So um, early in the off-season, uh, talks out of the Tigers were is that you know obviously 
Martin had that injury last year uh, in hospital and lost a stack of weight. So, you know, Tigers, heaps of injuries last year fell short. So there was a time to have a bit of a think, you know, how they want to structure up. And, you know, the thought process was coming out of Richmond really early in that off-season, even before they hit pre-season, is that Martin was going to see some info some more midfield usage, which means that, you know, he'll still see his time forward, you know, potentially for a rest and keep his minutes up. But I think there's going to be high midfield usage here, and I think it's going to be uh, scoring upside potential right here, right now for Martin Chip. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. I still won't go, won't select him. I think, one, he he's more susceptible to the tag as a midfielder. Sure, when he gets tagged, they'll just throw him forward but then that hinders his scoring output. So, no, not for me. I, um, I'm going to stay well clear. So the way I think this could play out, and this is just a hope, this is the way I think it could play out. So it's not saying it's going to happen. So the last time he had huge numbers through that midfield, uh, he was just running around and going through, doing all sorts of damage through that Richmond midfield. Now, he was getting, getting a lot of wraparound. So, you know, Ruck would take a mark and get that wraparound back out the other side, handball, handball back. And yeah. that's pretty much what I'm starting to see from Dusty in this preseason. So he had huge. This is the year he won his Brownlow medal. So and obviously the you know it wasn't a, a throwaway year for the Tigers because they won the premiership. So um, for me, I think we could be heading back in that direction, which I, I think there's I think there's upside upside scoring potential. But the other thing that's playing on my mind here is that you know obviously this is pre-COVID talk that you know he would just miss this one random game throughout the year which would actually destroy you especially you know early in the year but just this one random game so that's just the one thing um, keeping him out of my side right now all right last one for Richmond we're going to talk about here Josh Gibkiss I think he's in that round one team um the, the Tigers have talked about a back seven so if it's a back seven he's in there and he's been outstanding in this preseason so Obviously, Grimes, yeah, there's a bit of an injury there as well. Yeah, okay, there's other players that come back into that Richmond defence. But, you know, you know, the one thing that we did need to see was a player moving out of there, and that was Noah Bolter. So he goes out of there, he goes forward, and he has impact. So Damien Harvey, you know, he's, he's an underrated genius, this guy. So, And I do call him a genius because he's where other teams are heading in one direction, he's just picked up the, the, the plan and go, no, nah, we're heading in this direction. So he's going to play three tall Forwards, so you know that opens up other opportunities and how they want to play, and you know that even gives more weight into the Dustin Martin playing through the midfield because if he's throwing Bolter back there as a marking option, you know that's pushing Martin out. So you know, for me, I think Josh Gibkiss is playing round one. I hopefully is. So you know, I'd probably wait at about ninety percent. I think he's going to play just a strong talk out of Richmond. Uh, throughout preseason and recently as well has put me into the situation where I think he's going to be playing. He's been outstanding for me on picking him, Jeff. Yeah, I, I rate him. I um, I think he's definitely got a role to play and, and they want to blood some youth back there too. So I welcome the, the cheapies in defence and he's one of them. So the other thing with the Tigers there is that, you know, they had to learn the system uh, at the lower level before they came in. But, yeah, this, this is actually a change in direction from from Richmond, if they play it like a, a a new draftee, so it's a bit of a change here. Obviously, um, other players have come in there every now and again for Richmond straight off the bat. But yeah, Gip gets in there round one. I think it's going to happen. All right, let's move on to Adelaide versus Port Adelaide. So Riley O'Brien, the one thing I go back to here uh, throughout the preseason, Jet, is Riley O'Brien. He came in in one of the interviews, which he said, and you know, he was pretty aggressive when he actually said, you know. 
the best preseason I've had, and just he just wants to reach that next level. So the desire is there. Obviously, we had Aaron Bryan's on there, and obviously Strawn's in that picture as well because Matthew Nix wants to head down that direction, you know, whenever that is. So you just got to keep in mind there as well. But for me, we did see Rolly O'Brien come out on the weekend, and he was super. Uh, and the opposition was good too, so you really got to factor in that. It wasn't against the second-rate Ruckman. It was actually against Lysette early, and it was against uh, Hayes as well, who's no just throwaway second uh, second Ruck there. So I thought um, Rolly O'Brien was exceptional. Now, those conditions were windy, and he he was sitting in that... This is really interesting, Jim. He was sitting in that down-the-line kick, so when teams were... Yeah, I'm not saying Adelaide were done, but when they were kicking that down the line kick, it was O'Brien all day, every day. So if he's going to play that role, I think there's strong scoring potentially right here, right now for Riley O'Brien. Yeah, I do too. I feel like after the Pracky game two weeks ago, he, he may have had a talking to him and said, look, you got to do better. He, he, I feel like it was a personal response. He, he, he really wants to be the best he can be. Mm. You can clearly see that, and he's driven. Um, and yeah, I'm not deterred by his pracky game performance. I'm I'm actually upbeat about what he showed, and I'm considering him very highly. He is um, currently in my team. Based on what I've heard, based on what I've seen, and obviously watch and listen to a stack of content, you can start to put the pieces together over a, a long period of time. For me, this is a man on a mission. So good luck, Riley O'Brien. I hope you smash it this year. So I, I just. You know, it might not plan pan out that way, but I just think he's again. It's exactly what you said. I think the desire is really high, so um, I do put weight into that. All right, Josh Rochelle, he's playing round one. Crows might as well just announce it now. He's outstanding, <laughs> and he's for me. The more I see him, the one word that comes to my mind is freak. So we're going to see some freakish things from Josh Rochelle. Um, is in my team chip. I don't think he's not out of your team chip. Yeah, when I watch him, I just think match winner. Um, already at 18 years of age, what he can do for the centre is just remarkable. So just lock him in and put him on your field. Enjoy that one, Adelaide fans. You have absolutely hit a smash draft pick right there in Josh Rochelle. So uh, and the, interesting in the comments coming out post-draft on when they took Rochelle. It was all about his height. But now they see him in a couple of pre-season games and see what he's done over the pre-season. They go, oh, my God, what have we got here? You've actually got a star. That's what you've got. All right, so Matt Crouch. So... For me, we need in, interrupt the preseason. We've talked about that a lot, so that's a cross. We need to acknowledge that um, value monster value for me. He screams probably the best, one of the best values for me on in more, all of my spreadsheets. So we take that into account. So there we, therefore we want to pick him. Um, he's looked okay. He's building up his minutes. Uh, listen to him, his Monday presser. Uh, he's really confident, and the, the key thing that came out of, of his mouth was that I don't want to be managed. So. You know, you know what a player wants and what a team wants. They sometimes don't marry up. So just got to keep that in mind there as well. So for me, monster value here. I am interested. Interesting, but it'll be interesting if I do start with him. But currently, I do not have him in my team. But he does scream monster value. So it goes back to our early discussion. You know, you can't ignore the value. So I'm not too sure where that sits for me at round one. Still, I love him, but you know, interrupt the preseason chip. The one thing that's sort of changed for me in my thought process is the injury to Laird now. I know it's only yeah. four or five rounds, but, you know, that gives him the G up. He's the number one midfielder for the Crows now. Yeah. So we, we can't ignore a 600, mid-600 price player yeah. when that's on the table, interrupt a preseason or not. And I'm going against my rules and our rules that we discuss. Um, yeah, very hard to ignore. 
Yeah, yeah, that's actually a pretty monster point right there as well. All right, Harry Schoenberg. I just don't think the scoring's there just yet, Jip. So, yeah, Rory Lee goes, yeah, you know, Schoenberg might be one of those players to benefit there as well. Um, but I, I just, he's not a ceiling type player yet. I think he might get there um, throughout the year in some games, but I just don't think it's going to be that consistent. So for me, I'm out on Schoenberg. Yeah, I'm out too. Okay, Rory Lee. So again, as Jep mentioned, so he's going to be out for a few weeks. So rounds two, round three, round four. So whenever he comes back, he's got a broken hand. But yeah, opportunities are available through that midfield for Adelaide, and that could go to Kraut. So Rory Led, unfortunately, is out. Uh, but he'll have low ownership once he gets going again. And, you know, it's a hand, so he'll keep up his fitness there, Jep. So it's one tier. So mate, we might be able to hit on that throughout the season with regards to a low-owned, high-ceiling type player. So just keep in mind uh, Rory Led throughout the year to jump onto a unique option if you're upgrading uh, from a, uh, under 300k type mid into your team. All right, Jake Saligo. He's going to be there thereabouts. He may miss out early in the season, uh, but there's lots to like when he makes his debut, Jeff. Yeah, there is probably another potential vest player um, early on. So just monitor that. But, yeah, he uh, he's definitely got the determination to score well and, and win his own footy, like what I see so far. Okay, Wayne Miller. So... Didn't play on the weekend in the Adelaide team, but played at the lower level. Uh, apparently he looked okay, and once he got going, that he, he actually uh, worked into it. I'm not willing him out of round one yet, uh, but yeah, he's, he's, he's just getting to the line if he's going to get there. So do we want to take that on? Uh, you know, uh, yeah. I'm, not in the like, COVID year. Yeah. Not in the COVID year, mate. Yeah. Um, if it was any other year, we probably would, but not this year. But it screams value, Jip. So it's just one thing that we can't ignore there as well is that, you know, if we're look, looking at, you know, taking advantage of value, he's going to scream it. But, you know, at this situation where um, he's just going to get to the line for round one, if at all, you know, do we want to take it into consideration? But his, his salary does suggest, this is the other thing, Jip, his salary does suggest his value. But, you know, if he, you know, if he plays one round one and he misses round two, who are you going to go down to? This is the issue with malaria. Yeah. I should say, is it, you know, who are you going to go down to? If we're limited for options at round one, what are we going to get at round two? So keep that in mind there as well, I think, Jeff. Yeah, too risky. we just got to nail these picks early. And, um, yes, agree, Miller screens value. But, um, you know, if you're stumbling to the, to the line to round one, definitely not a person I want in my team. Okay, Jordan Dawson. So uh, we hear calf issue, and that's, an, that's a big cross for me got him out of that team straight away as i discussed on the podcast last week so now matthew nix comes out and says calves so multiple so you know that's just a straight no for me for for dawson unfortunately i wanted to start with him i was going to him in the preseason, but yeah out of my team there right there now yep yeah same i was really keen on him too and then i actually sort of did some research as soon as i heard led break his hand where dawson was at um yeah look from someone that suffers from tight cars usually as well as an old man like myself, um, not something to uh, to keep you agile and um, able to move and you know, get down to the footy either. So, um, yeah, no no for me. Well, he winds high ball winner for Port Adelaide, and I think that's going to stay the same this year. So they're obviously going to make some adjustments through that Port Adelaide midfield and they have more spread, but I still think Wines gets a high amount of usage, and I think his scoring rate's going to pretty much, you know, might drop off a little bit, but I still think it's going to be strong this year, Jeff. Yeah, I agree. I, I think he's a good POD, actually. So Zach Butters is, is the pretty much the talk of the town. So 
I think it's going to be strong midfield usage. So the talk is there over preseason that he's moving to the midfield. I just think there's been an overwhelming amount of discussion from not only the players, himself and coaching staff that is going to be strong midfield usage. So I think that's a tick. I, I don't think we have any concerns there uh, with regards to a split forward role or whatever that is. I think it's going to be inside. He's lightly framed. So, you know, what does that come up? What does that do to him when, you know, other bigger players try to take him on, take him out of, you know, contested situations? So I think he's going to win enough ball. And the other thing that really sort of plays in my mind here is that, you know, he grew up with Tom Rockliffe in that team. You know, he would have learned that, you know, where do you get, where do you get to late in games to get, you know, an extra mark and kick? And, you know, he'd he'd probably learn off the best, probably the best there ever was, I I would assume. In Tom Rockley, so I just think the scoring rate's going to be really strong here. Um, funny enough, I don't have him in my team as yet, but I'm really considering it. Um, a lot to like here about Zach Butters. Yeah, the biggest thing I like about Zach Butters is he hits all score uh, stat lines. So he loves to tackle, gets a few marks, and then obviously gets the possessions and goals. So yeah, lots to like about him. Um, a player of value. So. Whether you believe the hype and, and, like you said, there's been a lot of talk for a long time about him playing that mid-role, um, then you pick him. So the other, he's pretty ballistic as well. So he'll go in to contest 100%. So that, that, that gives me a pause for concern, you know. What's he going to do to himself? So. Yeah, that's, and that's fair. And that's what he did last year with his ankle injury. So, look, that, that's a reasonable risk. He plays a kamikaze style um, inside the game when, he, when he's out of the contest. Can he sustain that for 22 rounds? Probably not. Um, but, you know, again, I, I'm really keen on the discounted premiums. If he cops an injury, is it the end of the world? Probably not, but as long as it's not in the early rounds like last year. Yeah. The other thing is, if he's going in there ballistic, you know, he's going to win plenty of ball there. That's the other way to look at it. True. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, I, big things for Butters this year. I, I think he'll be, definitely be in the All-Australian squad of 40. Um if he can play 22 games, obviously, and, and yeah, and who knows what, what else he can do. Okay, Dan Houston. So he's going to play on the, up on that wing role, potentially go to halfback, uh, through the midfield inside as well as what he discussed, you know, potentially played off half forward there as well. So the one thing I see here is versatility, and I think that could provide volatile scoring output for Houston, Chip. Yeah, and he's never really had a scoring ceiling. You know, most of us had him last year at some point, so it's definite no. Lockie Jones does offer some value here, Jep. So he's, you know, Miles Bergman's uh, struggling to get up for quite a bit. So it's going to be Lockie Jones's position there at round one in defence. And, you know, if he can win a lot of ball early, he's going to um, generate some good profit there. So Lockie Jones thoughts. Yeah, no, he's, he's on my watch list. I, I've toyed with him in that back six, given the issues we have with no rooks, so he'll be there around the mark for me. The one player I actually wanted to really discuss in this podcast tonight was Sam Hayes. So I actually think he's going to play round one, so I'm not too sure if you had those same thoughts there, Jeff. So the way I think this is going to play out for Port Adelaide um, is that Charlie Dixon, they want to get a lot of time to him and not just rush him back. So it's bigger picture play, at play here for Port Adelaide. So it's about the end of the year. It's not about round one. And Ken Hinckley discussed this as well. Is it, They want to build him up. They don't want to build him up just to get him back out on the ground to, because it's Charlie Dixon and offers a target up forward. Um, you know, it's, it's Sam Hayes in that team. So I think there's a bit of a link here with regards to Sam Hayes playing and Charlie Dixon and that team. So George Yardis... 
um, and uh, Finlayson in that team. And I think Sam Hayes is going in there as well. So hopefully we, we get that debut. Now, what we need, what we really need from Ken Hinckley is to go, you know, well, Port Adelaide is that, you know, they win the first three or four games, and that takes the pressure off Charlie Dixon coming in that team. So, therefore, we get three or four, maybe potentially five weeks' worth of Sam Hayes. So, it would be a split, split ruck roll with Scott Lysett, but I think it's enough to be uh, pretty decent. And what the one thing we do need is that R3 scoring jet, and I think we might get it early with Sam Hayes. Yeah, that would be great. As an R3, obviously, too high risk to, uh, to put it R2. Only for the brave there. Um, but as an R3, yeah, it ticks all the boxes and let's get some cash generation happening. Alrighty, Josh Sin. He's right at that situation where he could play, he might not play. Sam Powell Pepper is apparently going to be okay for round one or be right at that finishing line to play. So, you know, the amount of bodies going into that Port Adelaide team, does that impact Josh Sin? So I think he's going to be quality. It's just whether he gets a gig round one there, Jeff. Yeah, and, and look, dare I say, um, a, a medical sub role early as well. So, look, we, we just need to reaffirm what we're doing with, with our rooks and our defender rooks, especially. There's no room for error. I'm not spending that much money on sin for my bench. So, we've got to be pretty definitive, and I'm not at this stage, so he's out of my side. Okay, Jackson Mead. I think he's on the outside looking in. So, the one thing there, what we can do with the Mead is to keep him on our watch list and obviously when opportunities, if opportunities pop up through that Port Adelaide midfield, and this is where we need him to play, uh, that we can target him and bring him in. So the thoughts there on me, Jeff? Well, I hope he plays because he's currently my M10. <laughs> um, but the, this is where the issues are. I, I get nervous about that. I, I'm trying to find some cash to um, move him up to McDonald, but hopefully me gets a gig early. Okay, Essendon versus St Kilda. So Jai Caldwell. You know, the midfield usage is going to be there, but at what rate that is? We both sort of agreed last week it, it's going to be number four, potentially maybe even number five in that midfield. So he will be used at stoppages, but, you know, it's just about scoring output. And he's going to be he's a bit of a mid-pricer there. So, you know, if we, we're going to talk about Matt Real soon, but, you know, you know, if it's a choice between one or the other, I think it's just unanimous who I'm going to. But, you know, Caldwell, for those still interested, you know, now, where is he going to be in that mid- midfield when everyone is available and what is his scoring rate going to be? Uh, could be a volatile situation. I still don't mind it, but, yeah, it could be volatile at times, Edget. Yeah, you're spot on. It's it's quite an interesting one, and we think the same, because for me it's either Caldwell round and um, one's got a f- full inside midfield keys to the car type role, the other doesn't. So it's an obvious choice for me as well. Well, that's pretty much what we need to identify, and we, it's a... It's a checklist that you and I both have. Is that you tick that off? You know, if we're talking rail, is it you know, is everything is ticked off? If we're talking Cordwell, it is not quite. So that's where, you know, and that sort of your checklist almost makes the decision for you. So it makes it a lot easier that way. All right, let's move on. Archie Perkins, bit of interest there for Perkins. I still think we're going to see some volatile scoring though. Yep. Yeah, no, not for me. Um, too, too many around him, too much in and out, and uncertainty with the role, like you said. So the one thing with the Amy Community Series is that people look at high scores and you think, oh, wow, that's a new average that they're going to do for the year, and then all of a sudden you're targeting, you get him in the year, and you're sort of stuck, or you thought, well, hang on, what happened pre-season, and they didn't deliver during the season. 
The opposite is actually true here, is that, you know, if they have a low scoring output through the AMI Community Series, that's not necessarily reflective of what's going to happen throughout the year. So one of those players is Darcy Parrish, high ceiling player. It's going to be used a lot through that midfield, a lot to like here, Jeff. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, one I'm trying to watch, well, watch closely, liked what I've seen. Um, for me, it's buy structure. I actually surprisingly have a lot of round 12 primos at the minute. Um, and he's not one of them, but he could be one of them. So if I can flick things around here, there and everywhere, make some decisions in the back line especially, then he could find my, his way into my team. The other one there, same thing as Zach Merritt. So he'll be high ceiling type player, high midfield usages there as well. Yeah, the Bombers want to mess around with that midfield and, and have more spread in there. And we've listed all those players there as well. Uh, Shield to come back into that team there as well. Um, so I think the ceilings there as well, you know, might get one or two scores that pop up that are, you know, well under par for Merritt. But, you know, over the course of the year, I think there's a lot to like here. Yeah, I know, definitely. He, he, he'd be there around for the top eight mids, um, no doubt in my mind. There's still the best kick in that side by a long, long way. And, um, yeah, he, he's going to do well this season, no doubt. Jordan Ridley spoke in, about him last week as well. Is that you know Kelly comes into that team and you know, Ridley's that spare loose intercept marking type defender. That's going to be his role, Jeb. So uh, a lot to like here about Ridley. It's just that whether you want to spend uh, a amount of money on him uh, won't be high selling type game scenarios, but it should be enough for him from a value situation point of view. I would imagine. I think there's uh, scoring uh, opportunities here for Ridley. Yeah, agreed. I um, I, I really like Ridley, but again, I just highlight that he's got the same role as Sicily and probably going to score similarly. So for me, if I'm going to compare the two players, which I do a lot, uh, I'm going to go Sicily. Okay, Sam Draper. It's just it's just whether you can see, you know, that Sean Darcy scenario where he's just the scoring just goes through the roof last year. Um, do we start to see that? So for me, it's still a no from Draper. Um, it, yeah, his value there, I do, I do agree with that. But you know, for me, it's just a no. Yeah, it's a no for me too. He's got to do more around the ground, and and that's not, um, well, hasn't been on a consistent basis so far in his career. So let's see that first before picking him. Okay, a couple of players are going to join him together here: is Nick Martin and Kane Baldwin. So we did see them on the weekend in the Amy Community Series for the Bombers. So throughout the year, whether it's early or not, just to keep an eye out because that, they will be a target and pretend, uh, Martin can definitely score as well. So, yeah, just keep an eye out for those. So Nick Martin came Baldwin. Thoughts, Jeff? Yeah, look, whoever plays, let's uh, let's get him in our team. We're, um, we're struggling for those rooks. And I think, um, you know, Baldwin as a taller type player is not going to have the best scoring potential, but um, Martin will. Okay, Ryan Marshall. So... Ryder, I don't think he's too far away. So uh, that's the split ruck roll. So even if it doesn't happen early in the season, over the majority of the season, if Ryder is available, it's a split ruck roll. So you've got to keep that in mind. You're not just playing for round one here, Jeb. You're not just playing for the early games in the season. You're actually just trying to pick this for the entire length of the season that you know Ryder could have potentially number one. I wish it'd be true because he would be in my team, but uh, it's a split ruck roll. He'll go forward and he'll provide forward support there, Jeff. Yeah, look, oh, I really like the Ryder pick. Uh, sorry, the Marshall pick, but it's where Ryder's at. I, I'd like to know if he was out for a month or, or, or less or, or more. Like We can make a definitive decision on that. But, um, 
given that it's likely it's only going to be a couple of weeks and this is a long game we play, it's it's a no from me. Uh, for my intel out of the Saints, is it, it's going to be pretty early, it's going to be available. So for me, that's just eliminates yeah. Marshall straight up. So we'll see how that plays out. You know, obviously Ryder is of age, so you know that might not work out in his favour, which is an opportunity for Marshall. So monitor the situation and let's see how that plays out over the next week. But yeah, you know, if Ryder comes in at round four even, is that you still got, you know, not 80% of the season left. So, you know, that's going to be a split opportunity for the Saints to play all year, and Ratton does play that way. So, yeah, just keep in mind, we're playing the whole 23 rounds. All right, Jack Steele, high ceiling player there. It's quite expensive. Uh, do we want to spend... Well, the question is, we're not even going to talk about his role, but it's going to be high and everything good about him. But do we want to spend that much in the midfield there, Jeb, on a player at uh, a mean bucks? Like I said before, it's it's one of, of the big four, um, the big four being Took, Steele, McRae and, and Mitchell for me. So yeah, I can't make a team work with two two big dogs or two big primos. Um, so you can pick one of Took's, well, you know, Mitchell's got under an injury cloud, so it's probably one of the three. And look, don't read too much into Steele's performances thus far. He, he's the main man in there and that equals points so much of what happened last year will happen this year okay so the player link let's go back to the discussion on Ryder Marshall so the player link to Paddy Ryder will be Jack Hayes I believe so um, if Ryder's not available Jack Hayes I believe would play and if Ryder's coming into that team I I believe at this stage so um, let me just say on the 70 to 80 percent confident maybe even 60 so not full is that Jack Hayes will be out of that team so just something to consider there if Ryder doesn't get up and Jack Hayes is available is that you know if Ryder's coming back in you know that that potentially could mean the end for Hayes but I thought he looked okay last week and I think there's a potential there if you know if he does have a clear run in that team for a long period of time yes he's a target. Yeah, definitely had a uh, high work rate for a big fella. Um, although he's actually not that tall as a second ruck, which is interesting. But yeah, he um, he offers a lot as as a rookie price and, and rucks um, status as well. So one to watch. But again, let's just keep a close tabs on these rider news so we can make decisions on Marshall and Hayes alike. All right, Nozai Wanganin Malira. So keep an eye on him. It sounds like Ratton has talk, he's pretty much talked him up at every possible opportunity when asked throughout the preseason. So I think they just want to get him into the game as much as possible. I think he's going to see an opportunity this year. He has had an interrupted preseason though. So um, just keep that in mind there as well. But I, I think the Saints are really keen to get him in that team. Just thoughts quick there, Jeff. Yeah, he only played 33% time on the weekend. So... Um, would love him, but he's got to have a full role, obviously. Okay, GWS Giants versus Collingwood. So Josh Kelly, high ceiling player there. I don't think he's going to be high ownership. Um, he's going to be playing through that midfield, so I do like it a lot. Yeah, look, there's a lot to like. I just don't like in the future having four primos being Kelly, Taranto, Cornelio and Whitfield, which we'll all talk about shortly. So at the moment, it's a no for me for Kelly. So Tim Taranto potentially going to see that forward role uh, early in the year without Toby Green. So that could impact his scoring, but he can still just junk it up and he can hit the scoreboard, he can do it all. So, you know, if you're taking Taranto, it might be even a unique situation. If he can maintain his scoring rate or even increase it, you know, that's a that's probably puts you a step in front of everyone else that does not. So, but yeah, just just need to acknowledge here that you know, there is forward usage incoming early rounds, Jeff. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, not value pick, so we can't start with him. Stephen Canelio, I think there's going to be a pretty strong to high midfield usage there. He can play forward, but you know, listening to Leon Cameron, there's a, you know the opportunity is there now. He's fully fit, and let's get him back into the midfield. And, and Leon Cameron is keen, so if he's keen, so am I. Yeah, look, I, I, he's ticked all the boxes and, and proved even with playing a bit forward, which is going to happen regardless, um, that he can still score well. So I, I see him arguably fitter than I've ever seen him before. He's a man on a mission. He's copped a lot of flack in the public about his performances in the last couple of years, and he's out to prove the naysayers wrong. So big year ahead, and I like the pick. Tom Green. Now, Callum Ward's moving out of that middle of the ground. That's going to open up an extra few opportunities there for Green. So if he moves up the step ladder with regards to inside midfield usage, which he is an inside midfielder and he can win the ball in contested situations at a very high rate, you know, I don't think many are looking at Green early in the season, but I do like it. And I think they're scoring upside potential here. But, you know, when you factor in all those other mids that can get a piece of that ball, you know, and Green could be one of them, uh, and they share it around there, you know, they can get high ceiling top games. But, it, you know, given opportunity there in the middle of the ground for the Giants, he's going to win a fair bit of it. I like Green. I don't have him in my team, but I do like the pick, and I think we're potentially going to see some pretty decent scores there. But it still could be volatile. That's my only issue at this stage there, Jeff. Yeah, look, I agree. I agree with everything you said. I also, he's handball happy, and his kick to handball ratio is obviously poor. So that doesn't help in the in the fantasy game, and I'm against picking him for that reason. Okay, full preseason for Lockie Whitfield. Uh, again, you know, I think is again I've said this a lot on this podcast. I reckon there's about ten thousand people uh, that can potentially win, you know, win overall ranking at the end of the year to start off the season with. Um, and I think, you know, if we're talking about 10,000 people with an opportunity to win, you know, I tend to ignore what the ownership says to me um, in the game of Classic. I, say, I pretty much go along the lines of thinking what the top 10,000 would start with him, and I reckon it's about 98 99%. Yeah, it has to be. He's, he's just a, the, one of the easiest picks. He's value. He's got a ceiling. He um, he obviously has a big role to play for Gita Bress and and can oh, yeah hit every most well most outlines other than tackles. But um, look, he's a top six defender who's probably what 50, 60 grand under price. So yeah, you have to go there. So Braden Proust obviously suspended for round one now, so he is not an option. But if you want to make some adjustments after round one, so this is a sort of most uh, a round one podcast, Jeff, is that, you know, you potentially could go to Nipruz. Um It sounds like, you know, the Giants could go to a situation where it's opposition based on, you know, who they start in any given week. You know, Flynn was outstanding again. I thought, uh, uh, what a preseason he's had. He's actually developed really well. Uh, but Proust in that rah, Jesus is a strong presence. Uh, I think uh, he's just a you know Shane Mumford clone there. And I think you know we did see Leon Cameron go to Mumford a lot last year. And I think you know Proust is going to find him in that situation a lot this year. But you know, do we restructure a little bit after round one? Maybe it's a possibility if there's an oppor- unfortunate opportunity that presents itself, we can go to him. Uh, but it's unfortunate we can't start with him at round one. Chip. Yeah, it is. Uh... You know, potentially Sam Hayes playing round one and you put Bruce on the bench, but I just don't recommend that. I think there could be a potential, you know, round two pick if 
those that gone with an R2 mid-pricer that hasn't come off, and, and yeah, you can potentially go down the Proust after that. But, yeah, like Mark, taking those contested marks that he did, laying those tackles strong. that he did, yeah, very, yeah, very, very, very good. Uh, and I was very conscious of him sharing the role and what his scoring potential would be, but he proved me wrong. Okay, Tanner Bruin, I think he's going to not get opportunities in that Giants team early in the season. So uh, he's around that 300k mark, so just one to keep an eye on. But, you know, if he plays half-forward flank and, you know, in that forward 50 there for the Giants, you know, I don't think he's ready for the midfield yet. So, therefore, you know, we're looking at scoring volatility there. But if we're short for options in that forward line there, Jep, uh, Bruin could be one of those. Yeah, he could be. Again, is he going to consistently score 80s, which we'll probably need from him at that price? I, I doubt it, so I'm not interested. Okay, Lockie Ash. So uh, going to be used for that midfield a little bit more there this year for the Giants. But what we're looking at here, scoring volatility uh, for me to know on Ash. No, definitely no for me too. Okay, Nick Dacos. What is not to like here? Uh, I've talked him up all pre-season. Uh, you said last week on this podcast that he, He's going to be the highest scoring player in you know for those draftees, uh, what we discussed. So, you know, he's going to be a high scoring player in his first year. And I reckon we could be looking around about, you know, potentially, you know, and he was used through the midfield again. Again, Collingwood aren't in the window for premiership. So uh, what we're talking about there is developing that team. So I think he's going to get a fair look through that midfield. And I think we potentially could see, Jeb, I don't know if you agree with this, 85-90 average. Oh, easily. Uh, and just keep in mind, he's going to be a defender um, come round six or after round six, whenever it is. So uh, he's just the biggest lock of the year. Out of every every possible player, you must have Nick Dacos in your team. Okay, Jack Crisp does offer a defensive option for us in AFL Fantasy Classic, but you know I think he's going to see a pretty decent rate through that midfield for Collingwood, so his scoring rate will be there, but you know, big spend here to start off, start off with, Chip. Yeah, one I would love in my side, but I just can't fit in. I, I'm, I'm sacrificing um, that line, so to speak, to, to fit all the primos and, and mid-prices in with no rooks. So, but, yeah, if I could restructure and get Jack Crispy in, I, I would love to do that. For Scott Pendlebury, I think we just wait, play a waiting game here, see so what his scoring is like for the first few rounds, and then once he gets his defender status that, you know, we can target him, him um, to bring in if we um, choose to do so, Jeff. Yeah, for sure. I agree with that strategy. So Brody Grundy, high-scoring ruck, uh, I think is going to be highly targeted from that potentially that top 10,000 coaches. I would, I would suggest, you know, 70 to 80% ownership from the group of us. So I'm not too sure your thoughts on that. Um, but, yeah, I think it's still a good option to start with. You know, I think... We're underestimating what um, what time of year it is. Let's give Grundy the credit. He had a bad year last year into Grundy standards and still dominated in terms of fantasy. So another lock for for 2022. Finlay McRae. So he's right on that fringe at the moment. So uh, we're looking at Pat Lipinski, and we're going to speak about him in a minute. But, you know, he uh, is potentially going to be available for our mind, so that pretty much locks out Finlay McRae. So he's... You know, I think he's on the outside looking in, which is unfortunate. Um, or he could be used as that sub or there thereabouts or be that 21, uh, 22 second play into that team. So, you know, then how much midfield is he going to be getting with, you know, Nick Dacos in there? And do you want to start with Nick Dacos and Finlay McRae? So for me, it's just a no on McRae, Jeff. 
Yeah, it's a no from me too, mate. Uh, Jordan Degoe is going to see a stack of forward usage. So I think we're going to see some volatile scoring. So for me to know for that. Yeah, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly and yeah, share your opinion. Okay, Pat Lipinski. So he was a target of mine throughout pre-season. Didn't have him in my team before the game on Sunday. Did Rolls his ankle, which was looked actually pretty bad, but apparently he's going to be available or there thereabouts for round one. So for me now with that, uh, it's a straight no there for Lipinski, Jeff. Yeah, it's a no for me from Lipinski, only because Crouch is, um, and Cripps are around the same price. Okay, Sydney versus North Melbourne. Justin McInerney, didn't he rack it up on the weekend? So he's that run-and-gun type player from the back line for this one, so he does uh, represent a little bit of value. If that's certainly his scoring rate, but he's still up there in price. Um, there are other options around uh, what he has. So, you know, a few will target McInerney at round one, Jeff. Well, I did see his ownership went up. I, I sneakily did a screenshot the, the day of the game or night of the game and um, looked the next day and it went up quite a bit. So, yeah, he is going to get on the outside. He had a lot of um, time on the wing as well. So that Mark plus six game is his. Can we spend 580 for a player that, you know, he will score really well, but is he going to be a... Top 10 defender, probably just on the outside. So for that, it's a no. Okay, Isaac Kenny. So everyone freaked out when he wasn't used in the middle to start off that game. I still think it's going to be strong midfield usage from Heaney this year. So, you know, again, one of those pre-season things is that Longmire talked him up. Everyone you heard about out of Sydney talked about uh, midfield usage for Heaney. I still think it's going to be strong. So what we really need to keep into consideration here is that what what teams and players and coaches talk about as midfield is not necessarily what we think is midfield. What we think is midfield is centre bounces. So not necessarily does that marry up with what teams think about. So he could be still starting inside forward 50 and as soon as that ball is bounced, roam up and be part of that midfield group. You know, come off, you know, get that reception from outside uh, D50 on the wing and then enter inside forward 50 or even move back inside forward 50. But, you know, just got to keep in mind here is that uh, midfield usage for teams doesn't necessarily mean centre bounces. I think his midfield usage is going to be, I, I would still say it's going to be strong, Jeff. Yeah, it definitely will be. But even if it's not, he, he's going to be around, well, he's definitely going to be a top 10 forward for my liking. So what split he gets, it doesn't really matter to me. As long as he's playing over 30% midfield, then I think he's a lock and, he, to me, there's no doubt in my mind he's going to play that midfield time. Um, we've got to remember that a couple of years ago that he was a top six, seven, eight, top eight forward just purely playing as in the forward 50. So there's there's so much upside here, and he's at a, a definition of discounted premium. Yeah, so it's just it's just one to take into consideration is that if you see him lining up inside forward 50, it's just, you know, he can still score. Um, I think that's the point that you're getting at, and that's what pretty much I agree with her as well. All right, Braden Campbell. You know, probably too volatile there for me at this stage, uh, Braden Campbell. Uh, your thoughts there? Uh, yeah, no, not for me. I um, I was watching closely and had had my hopes for for a good return on the Amy Series game, but, yeah, just too risky. So Callum Mills comes back into that team. So he's come off a very interrupted preseason. Obviously had that Achilles injury last year. So they're building him up to round one. Did play on the weekend and was in the middle and should be fine. But yeah, probably too many negatives here to start with him, Jeff. Yeah, we keep to our rules and one of them is um, as 
as much of a preseason as possible, and he's had a very interrupted one. So, although he was tempting given what he did in a short amount of time on against North Melbourne, so, but yeah, all in all said, I'm going to stick to my rules, and I probably won't start with Mills to start round one. Excellent preseason here from Dylan Stevens. I think he's going to be used at a high rate, pretty much on the outside, so that'll present a volatile scoring. Uh, opportunities, um, but I think it's you know it's a year to to see an increase. Well, I would say in scoring and uh, increase um, in output, and obviously play quite a lot more games than what he has previously there, Chip. Yeah, no, definitely. Again, he's probably one that could play five games and then get a vest and break all our hearts. So just be wary of that. Paddy McCartan, so comes into that team recently signed and he's going to play in defence so what we do see with his salary is pretty low so there is an option there to start with from a partnership you know there definitely is and obviously he did enough on the weekend to suggest he's in in the round one side and going to get plenty of marks and kicks and the like so paying that extra for it and he's dpp as well so he's a defender forward keep that in mind and that gives flexibility in the long game that we love yeah, it sounds like Sydney are going to start with him, so just keep that in mind. So I'd be pretty bullish on there that he's going to be playing round one. All right, Chad Warner. Uh, like him as an inside midfielder, so it's just about opportunities there. So the list is long, and obviously we want Henny to get those and bounces there as well, and he will. Uh, but Chad Warner, where does he fit into that mix? So um, I'd love him to see a high rate through the midfield because that would be someone I would be interested in. But, you know, is it going to be there this year, Jeff? No, I don't think he'll be there this year. I think next year he's very likely to have a breakout or a fantasy breakout of that, I should say. Nick Blakey. So I still think it's going to be volatile. Jeez, he can, geez, he's got a speed on him. So the Swans would want to get the ball in his hand as possible. So it's interesting the scenario here for Sydney. They want to go fast for defence. So on one side, you've got Blakey hitting the, in the, hitting the you know, pedal to the metal. And then you've got McInerney there as well. So... I think he's going to see a fair amount of ball just if you want to spend that much money on him. Yeah, interesting one. I actually, my ears perked up. I thought, ooh, here's someone playing a Jordan Dawson role. Then I looked at his scores of last year and his last highest score last year was an 84 throughout the whole season. So it was a firm no, even with the slight role change. So if you factor in the ball movement, as well what we've discussed in the Plus 6 podcast this year, for the Swans, is that, you know, does, that, does that mean you know, two or three less opportunities for Jake Lloyd throughout the game? So acknowledge it needs to be that the Swans do not play a half-back hold-on-to-the-ball type game anymore. That's gone, that's finished, it's not happening. So you know, Lloyd's new baseline is where he is priced at. So I think you're just paying for what you get. But the one thing I do say with Jake Lloyd, he's pretty consistent with what he can get. Yeah, and he's still a safe pick. Uh, he's actually out of contract, if you if you didn't know, Pete. But um, I, I'm not going to start the year with him, though. I do like it would provide consistency to that back line. So if it's volatile throughout the year, it's, it's one player I will be heading to, Chip. Yeah, great. It's, it's, it's a later, let's wait and see. Let's see how they play out. Um, he's still a very, very good kick in that side. Luke Parker. So inside midfield usage, and it's going to be a pretty high rate. Can go forward there as well, but... Uh, yeah, unique pick there for Parker, Jeff. Yeah, too unique and too risky, so no for me. So Tristan Cherry, so what we're going to see there with Callum Coleman-Jones when he is available, so that's you know, Goldstein, Callum Coleman-Jones and Cherry, and I think there's only room for two of them. 
Could they go the, the third one? So we'll see how that plays out. But, you know, Cherry does offer an option at a low salary there, Jet. Yeah, no, they're not going to... Callum Coleman-Jones is, has obviously been brought to the club on, on pretty good money, and um, he's starting as that pinch hitter up forward. Uh, it's whether they go Goldie or Cherry. I think, be surprised, obviously, they'll start with Goldie, but... As the season goes on, they'll look to Cherry to develop for next year. Well, that's exactly right. So uh, I think it's Colin Coleman, Jones and Cherry for the future, and that's why they're held on to him. And, and uh, David Noble was big on that, and he spoke to that recently as well. We held on to him for that reason. So I think that was in his press conference um, uh, after the weekend's game. Obviously, I did all those notes. They're available on afrratings.com.au, and he said that's the reason we, why we held on to him. So... They're bullish on Cherry. It's just whether when that opportunity is going to come. It's coming, but it's just when. All right, so Jason Horn-Francis, he's playing round one, so the Kangaroos might as well answer it uh, already. Um, I think he's going to score quite well. He's going to get some midfield usage there as well, which is going to be great for us. Yeah, he's he's another big tick. Um, playing a bit more forward than, than most. I think his scores won't be as great as everyone likes. He's, he's scored well thus far. But, um, yeah, they might be a bit up and down, but nevertheless, he's got to be in the team. Okay, so Taron Thomas, so obviously Ben Cunnington at that team for quite a long time. So Jed Anderson is also in that same boat, out of that team for quite a long time. So we're going to see a lot of Taron Thomas through that midfield. So we've got Davies Juniaki, we've, we've also got Jai Simkin in there, we've also got Hugh Greenwood in there, Tom Powell wants to get in there, and there's others want to get in there. So I think uh, Taron Thomas is going to see a high rate through that midfield, but he can spend time forward there as well. Again, I would love to see him off that half-back line. I, would be, I reckon he'd be sensational. I reckon he'd rack it up quite easily. But I think it's midfield and, and a forward uh, resting role there for Thomas. I think his scoring rate's going to be okay. Hopefully he can get back next year. But um, as bullish I was on him early... Um, I don't have him in my team right now, Jet. I still, yeah, I'm still a big fan of Thomas, even though he hasn't lit it up in, in the last Amy Series game at least. But there's, you know, no doubting his talent. And it's just a matter of getting the midfield set for North Melbourne and finding his role, which, although will be mid-forward, again, he's still going to score consistently above 80. So I like it. Uh, so Jack Siebel, so strong usage through that um, defence part of the ground last year and obviously Kangaroos conceded a stack of inside 50s so so therefore that ball was in Zeebel's hands and when Hall came in it was in Hall's hands as well so I think it's going to be pretty much the same but I think the Kangaroos have actually just settled things down a little bit so for me uh, Zeebel for me I think is overpriced I think the scoring could be volatile yeah no no for no Zeebel for me either mate it's um it's not the dream situation that we had last year okay so Jock Okay, so Joy Simkin. So uh, he'll be used in that midfield at quite a high rate. He does have a ceiling, but he's also potentially one to be targeted. So um, I think he does have a big ceiling, but, you know, could be that volatile, won't be that consistent, I would presume. But, you know, if he can have a really big year, I think he can put up some big numbers. I don't mind the pick, but I'm not going with him, Chip. Yeah, I'm not going with him either. I've been pretty big on him. He's also the number one tag, likely, in that side. So that's probably the nail in the coffin for me. Okay, Tom Powell. So um, he does have that forward uh, DPP status there as well. So there's an option there. But how many midfield opportunities is he going to get to make that pay off? I don't think it's enough at this stage there, Jeff. Yeah, it's not yet in his second year. But again, one one fantasy player for the future, no doubt. All right, Fremantle versus West Coast. So Andrew Brayshaw, I'm expecting high midfield usage. Uh, 
this year, Jet. But um, back to my earlier podcast, and we've got Fremantle versus West Coast here. I am holding strong pretty much. Maybe a little bit of flexibility when we talk about one certain player in this group here is that I'm pretty much out on players above 300k for Fremantle and West Coast. And to find out why, you're going to have to listen to the early pods when we turn this year to find out why. So for me, I like Andrew Brayshaw. I think his scoring rate's going to be okay. Your thoughts? Yeah, I think he's going to be a very good performer this season. He's been in the in and out of my team um, a lot, and um, I yeah, who knows whether I'll start with him, but definitely pushing that one ten average. I think. Okay, the one thing here for Luke Ryan is, you know, the Dockers had really bad injuries in that defence last year. This year, they're pretty much all available, and look at the scoring rate there for Ryan. The Dockers were actually challenged on the weekend. So West Coast were actually quite impressive. I thought, you know, they had a week to re-establish. You know, in-game when all those injuries happen, you know, it, it gets to a volatile situation where you've got, you know, you're short on Yo, short on Chester, even though he's young, and she there that midfield, and it just creates a situation where there's just chaos and just a team just smells that and just attacks. So uh, a week for that coaching staff and Adam Simpson to think about, and so therefore can they come up with a pretty strong plan, and it worked out quite well. So, you know, a bit of respite there for West Coast, which has been a quite a volatile off-season with regards to injuries and whatnot. So what we're thinking about here is that, you know, what sort of challenge are presented to Fremantle? And it was a strong challenge. Therefore, Luke Ryan's scoring output was really strong. So a full complement of defenders for Fremantle. Therefore, Ryan can go about and do about his thing. I think it's okay to start with him, but, you know, do you want to go down that path? That's the only thing for me. I think his scoring rate is going to be strong, Jeff. Yeah, I agree. And I feel like early games of watching the Dockers... They, they like to hold the ball a little bit and control possession. So that's going to benefit Ryan, uh, yeah, Luke Ryan's scoring output. So keep that in mind when you, when he's in the mix, and he should be in the mix for us as a back six primo. Yeah, which wasn't their discussion over pre-season. So everything out of Fremantle, especially Justin Longmuir, is that they want to move the ball more efficiently, which is pretty much every team this year, Jeff. So, but what we've seen, even last week when West Coast were poor, is that, you know, there was a lot of chipping that ball around. And, and again, when West Coast presented as an issue, they reverted back to just holding onto that ball. So that's something you've really got to take note of there. And if that's going to play out for a fair whack to start the season, you know, Ryan might be an option. All right, Will, Will Brody, this might be one player I might bend the rules on. So I think it's going to be pretty decent midfield usage early. We've obviously spoken about that he can go forward and present as a target, but he's actually looked really solid in that midfield for Fremantle. We need to acknowledge that Fife didn't play on the weekend, so he's going to go back in that midfield at a strong rate. Um, Monday's going to play more through that midfield, so what does that actually do to Will Brody? And obviously we've got Andrew Brayshaw in there trying to get in there, and we've got Caleb Strong trying to get in there as well. So, you know, where does he sit in that pecking order? But I reckon he's looked really solid enough for him to play round one, and I, th- I quite like it. Whether those scoring numbers are going to be up there, it, it probably doesn't matter for me at this stage, but based on his starting salary, I think he's a um, pretty decent value chip. Yeah, no, he's, he's almost a lock. And, yeah, you're right about his midfield time and his centre-bounce usage when all the cavalry are there for Frio, but he still has got a role to play and, and good on him. I think he's done well and he offers a lot to Frio forward to centre anyway. So lock him in. He's a strong body and I think he's been really good mm-hmm. through those clearances. So stoppages, and this is the one thing I really focus on, and, you know, it may not even be the scoring rate, is that what are they doing 
in when a when a ball gets balled up or thrown in, are they at the contest? What are they doing? They they're hunting the ball. They're looking after their opponent. You know, he's been very strong there. So I couldn't have been more impressed from Will, Will Brody's first season at Fremantle so far in preseason. So let's hopefully that plays out throughout the year, and he can offer quite a lot of value. Okay, Heath Chapman does offer a little bit of value here, but I'm not convinced it's going to be that consistent here, Jep. So. Uh, the one thing here is he is cheap uh, to be fit him in a situation where we're starting with a lot of these players around the same price and we only hit on one or two of them. We pretty much need all of, all of them to hit if we're going to contend. So is Chapman in the frame for you? For me, um, he's there, thereabouts, but not quite in Chip. Yeah, he's not quite there for me. If he's a little cheaper, I think he'd be in, there, be in there all of our sides. Uh, Jordan Clark, pretty much a no for me there as well. I think we're going to see volatile scoring. I think he's okay, but, you know, volatile scoring in Egypt. No, no, no for me as well, and let's see what happens when he gets defender status, though. So, Michael Walters, there's going to be a lot of forward usage there, so it's a straight no for me. Yeah, also for me. Sean Darcy, so um, his scoring rate last year was, was pretty outstanding, so you can't deny that. Um it's just whether you want it. He's had some. He's had finger issues or thumb issues. What he's had the last couple of weeks. Um, other issues there as well. You know, he has been injury prone last year. He got through the year unbelievably. Um, so, do you want to spend that much money on a potential risk? I'm not too sure. I think his scoring output is pretty decent. I think he could put up special numbers. It's just you know, just to pull the trigger on and selecting him or not. For me, it's a no at this stage. But if anyone says to me that they're selecting Darcy, I would say good luck, and I think he could be in for something special. Yeah, I couldn't select him this year with the COVID, with the likely COVID protocols all happening every week. Um, you just can't pick those. Well, he's obviously a big unit, and like you said, surprisingly got through last year. Uh, I think Meek's come on leaps and bounds this year too. Mm. So that. Um, that sort of takes the pressure off Darcy as the number one rock, and he, he would get rested here and there from week to week when he does have a niggle, so I'm not going there. Okay, Tim Kelly. So high midfield usage here incoming, and with those West Coast injuries through that midfield, I think it's going to be at a high rate, and uh, he's been outstanding so far, I think, through the preseason. But just whether you want to spend up for him, and, you know, he could be the potential to be tagged as well. So you might want to factor that in there. He could be the number one target to shut down for opposition team. So I do like the pick. I think the scoring rate's going to be pretty good, though, Jeff. Yeah, I agree. He's going to score really well this year, and, and he offers a lot of value. But like you said, he's number one tag, and West Coast are going to get monstered a lot this season. So when that happens, that team generally scores poorly from possessions and fantasy points, so you can't really do it, can you? A couple of low salary options to finish off here. Uh, Brady Hoff uh, looks okay. I'd be there, thereabouts, round one. So what are your thoughts on Hoff, Jeff? Yeah, real accurate kick. Um, obviously quite slight and needs to develop physically. And obviously the injury situation has brought him on, pardon me, quite, a, quite fast. So, yeah, I'd say they would protect Hoff. So be careful when you pick him. I'm not going to pick him. Okay, Hugh Dixon, if we need to go there, does offer uh, some options for us with regards to the flexibility and obviously low salary, Jet. So the only thing is, it's going to be volatile scoring. Yeah, look, he's not going to score well at all, and um, but having that ruck status really is tempting, and he's going to play in the early rounds, if not the majority of the season. So 
I think he has to be on the bench somewhere at 190k. It's just where. Okay, Gold Coast versus Geelong. Toot Miller, high-scoring player. You're paying your million bucks. It's just whether you want to spend that money. And if, and if, if those are targeting Jack Steele, you know, do you want to go to Toot Miller? Because you're going to get, I'm pretty sure that you're going to get the same scoring average again. Mate, I've never considered Took Miller all, all pre-season. I've stayed strong and, and stayed with the one dog, one big dog, like I've said. And then I see Took Miller basically sprinting in the fourth quarter to win a 50-50 ball. And I'm thinking, wow, this guy's untaggable. This guy's unstoppable. Why do I ever doubt this fella? So I'm swinging between him, McRae and Steele for my M1 spot. And... Um, yeah, I might have to flip a coin in the end or flip a three-sided coin anyway. Okay, Matt Real. So it took us a few weeks to get there over pre-season. So let's take a step back and rewind to where we were. So his scoring output was was slow last year with the opportunities through that midfield. But when you take a step further back, is that he had that uh, knee injury, so therefore he had a limited uh, lead into the rest of the season that he did play in the second half of the year. So therefore... When you think about it more, and this is what I did discuss a couple of weeks ago in the pod, is that, you know, he had that, those last few rounds of the season, second half of the season, that was actually a pre-season for him. So then he goes and has his few weeks break, comes back to the back to the club and has another pre-season. So therefore he's at health, I don't think you can get any healthier. So he's had a missed opportunity his first two years in the AFL. So we did see his scoring rate early in the early games, which is very limited, and it was quite strong. His scoring rate was slow last year, but you've got to take into consideration that was through injury. So two pre-seasons under his belt. I'm taking the first pre-season is his second half of last year, and his pre-season now. It's been all good. So... We acknowledge that it's going to be high midfield usage. We acknowledge that it's going to be high centre bounce usage as well. He's a contested type player. He wins clearances. He's very good at stoppages. So that is all ticked. The only thing that we needed to, to have ticked off, Jeb, was his scoring rate, and we seen that on Monday night. Um, all boxes are ticked here for Matt Rail. I am starting with him. Yeah, he offers too much value to ignore, doesn't he? And I, thinking about him a lot in the last 24 hours... The, the whole Greenwood issue and not having Greenwood there anymore just benefits Rao so much. I grant his spread from the contest is is still to be worked on because he had no marks last night. Um, but at the same time, there's always the potential for a couple of marks a game and, and we add that to his score. And even if he's not tonning up every week, I still think he's scoring 90-plus every week. And when you're yeah, mid-400s, it's, it's really a no-brainer, isn't it? I reckon we could see 60 to 70% with the centre bounces there this year for real, and that's probably a minimum. I think we're going to see him at stoppages quite often, and I think we're going to see him at the cold face of when that ball gets tapped out or whatever, and that's all I need to say. I don't care if he runs. So, you know, if we're talking about spread from contests, we're looking at Tom Mitchell. He, he doesn't run. Lockie Neal, he doesn't run. So those type of plays can actually be a benefit, but you know why? They kick it only 30 metres to a target and they get it back. <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. so it doesn't necessarily have to be a speedy type player. So that I don't even care about. So what I care about is where you are in that contest, and he is right 100% all right where he needs to be, and he's winning the ball. And again, watching him at stoppages last night, it wasn't looking after an opponent. It was ball hunting, and that's all I needed to see as well. So 
every single box is ticked for me on real. I just, I think it's pretty, pretty much a no doubt pick. So, for those who uh, want to go against, I understand you might be hitting a different structure or whatever. Uh, even if you have negative thoughts about real, but for me, I just, I, there's just zero negatives. Now, if he doesn't get there, he doesn't get there, and I'm wrong. But you know, for me, I like every box ticked. Yeah, look, uh, it, we were so unsure about it. We needed to see what he performed in in, in the preseason, and he's ticked all the boxes, so you start with him. Okay, he's running mate, Noah Anderson. So offers a bit of a unique option um, in that price range of up there a bit from where Rail is. So for me, I just think, you know, if it's going to be Miller and Rail, I don't want to be heading in the direction of Anderson. Yeah, likewise, you can't really do it. Um, he's not going to be a top eight, top ten mid, in my opinion. There's just too many around the mark, and I'm much more interested in Crouch and Crips, as I've already said. Okay, Alex Davies does offer something unique here. I think he's going to get his opportunities this year. Salary's awkward-ish, I guess. So, any interest in Davies, Chip? No, unfortunately not. But that's not a reflection of him. That's just a reflection of structure. And again, having the the likely full primo set up with with round the three rooks is probably the way to go. I think. Okay, Lockie Weller. So going to be used at a defence. It appears so. Uh, let's keep an eye on that. But, yeah, obviously, the, you know, with his mid-forward, he can't get into defensive part of the game as in AFL Fantasy Classic. So he can't triple up. So when you put him in the options at his price against everyone else, I just think there's far better options in either midfield or forward chip. Yeah, agreed. I, I would love to to think about it, but um, a 54 on on last night, on Monday night in the Amy series was was not enough for me, um, but he was never really on my radar. Okay, Jared Witt. So for those looking at Witt, he's going to be okay. He was managed last night, came off the ground, uh, gave uh, young Nettie Moores there uh, an opportunity to be in that uh, starting right position. So And Moores looked actually okay throughout the start of the season. So, All right, so back on to Witt. Um, for those heading down, and he's, and he's pretty decently priced, and he does offer value. Um, he would see high hitouts, so therefore he's going to get most of his, you know, potentially half of his points from hitouts each week. So just whether he can collect enough disposals throughout each game to present, uh, you know, 90, 95, even, maybe even 100. So um, I think he's pretty okay for 90, 95 average, therefore he does present value. So, you know, the one thing that we do need to acknowledge here, he is coming off an ACL injury. So do you want to go down that path? You know, if something pops up early, um, you know, you can go to alternatives. And, you know, one of those alternatives could be uh, Brad Pruce. So you might want to head down that direction with Wits early and then Pruce if anything does come up. So the other thing there is that got me last night is when Stuart Dew did talk is that he said that, you know, there was no doubt pretty much at Wits coming back to full fitness. So he's just ready to go and he'll be available round one for us, Jeff. Yeah, which was promising. Yeah, and I did hear that today. And, and look, Wits is still an option for R2 and a realistic option. I think if you don't like it, um, after looking on a big ground up to stadium, he plays West Coast round one, and Nat Anui is obviously going to challenge him for a lot of those hitouts, mm. um, especially physically. So if you don't like what what he, you've seen in the first round, you could just switch it to uh, to Bruce and, and cash up a little bit. Might be a bit of a strategy option there as well. So yeah, something to keep in mind. Not too sure 
many would go to it, but we'll see what happens. All right, Cam Guffey, uh, it's going to be low ownership here, Jeb. Does it offer something different? Uh, it's going to be through that midfield for the Cats. Yeah, he does offer something different. Um, I just can't do it. I, I think there are better options around his price. Uh, Patrick Dangerfield, I'm going to avoid. It's just too many headaches for me. Yeah, no, I've still considered Dangerfield. Um, but again, I used to have a five primo mid setup, and I still am toying with that setup here and there. Um, and that's where he's been in and out. But again, I, I just really struggle to go past some of the value, other value picks a lot cheaper than him. Max Holmes, I think he's going to get his opportunities this year. And he was actually quite impressive last year. Um, and I think he could develop further this year. So he's an option, but for me at this stage, it's still no. I uh, know for me too. I don't think he, with Duncan coming back and him likely, seeing what I've seen as an outside mid, it's um, it's here, there and everywhere for Holmes. He will um, he'll be a bit of a Mr. Fix-It. Okay, Sam DeConning. I think he's going to get an opportunity. So Henderson retires, gets out of that team, so it's going to be an opportunity for DeConning. So I think he's in that Geelong round one team, um, and he does provide an option for us at a low salary gap. No, he does. And, you know, if he's named round one, even the biggest question mark for me was his scoring ability. Like, I was actually thinking 30s. That's how bad he sort of, he sort of has scored in the past. But, you know, he proved a little bit, although he butchered the ball when he was kicking a couple of times in the Amy Series game against the Suns. I still feel like his score will be around the 50 mark, which is enough to put on your bench. All right, Cooper Stevens. So, again, this is one of these things is that I'd look at, you know, how much a mid is ready, like a young type mid is ready, when they're in the contest around the bigger bodies. You know, how, how capable are they? So... For me, uh, he was extremely capable, and he was really clean with his disposal, his outlet, his finding the ball in traffic, his disposal in traffic, to find targets. His vision was really good. Uh, if, if Chris Scott can't see what I'm seeing in round one, I'm not too sure, but you know, I'm really bullish on what Cooper Stevens can do. Obviously, yeah, Duncan's to come back into that team as well. But for me, there's a quite a lot to like here with Cooper Stevens. Uh, obviously, low salary, and look if it's not early in the season he's coming into that team at some stage and you know he's going to be have to be a target because he's going to be playing through that midfield he does offer a bit of pace into that long midfield which I think is really important to put in there um, talks of Joel Salwood going out of the centre bounces does create opportunities inside centre bounces I just wonder if Cooper Stevens is one of those for me from what I have seen over pre-season Jeb there is a hell of a lot to like about Stevens. I'm really bullish on him playing round one. If it's not round one, he's coming into the team very shortly. So I don't think he's going to be held back, but I think I think it actually is Cooper Stevens' season. Yeah, agreed. I think he's worthy of a bench spot if named round one. I just don't trust Chris Scott. So um, if you're willing to see a red dot and a green dot every week or here and there, then, then run with it. Okay, Tyson Stengel. So obviously... Uh, Hit the scoring rate pretty well in these first practice match against Richmond, but obviously struggled on Monday night to tick it over at a consistent pace. So uh, that's what we're going to get for small forwards is volatility in scoring. So if we can find better options, I would go to it. And he's elevated in that price, not really low salary. So for me, yeah, he's an option, but I think he's playing. I think he's going to play um, at round one and he'd be in my team every week. Um, going to have his ups and downs though, Jep. So for me, high volatility, I would look for other options first. If we don't have it, we can always go back there. 
Yeah, spot on. I think as a traditional small forward, you've got to uh, know that they're not typically going to score well, so we need other options to present itself. He might be a last man standing scenario. All right, so we're going to record our last podcast before round one. So it's either going to be Sunday or Monday, so I'd expect that the, the latest to come out Monday night. So just keep an eye out for that um, a couple of days out before round one. So keep your research uh, pretty straightforward. Uh, Pretty much for me, I would suggest not to overthink things. Um, be really clear on your information that you've gathered over pre-season. Sometimes it might not even be about the numbers. Sometimes it, it does, like centre bounces. I would expect most people will have worked out their centre bounce rotations so far. So it's what where you rank them in regards to centre bounces. And that's when we, if we talk back to like the Jai Caldwell situation versus the Matt Rowell situation, is it, you know, as Jeff said, is it one we know is going to get high centre bounce usage, whereas, you know, Caldwell could be sitting, you know, four, number five. So where does that, what that does that do to his scoring output? So just for me, try and find clarity over the next few days. Um, and if you can't find enough clarity in a player, I would suggest to move away and try and find a better option. But, you know, if there's no better option, well, then that is your player. Um, have a look at your buy structure. Um, I actually, funny enough, uh, I wanted to get to this point in the pre-season, Jeff, and I didn't want to know my buy structure until about now. And, like, five minutes before the pilot, they'll say, oh, where's my buy structure? Uh, exactly. So where's my buy structure at? And you know what? Without even looking throughout the pre-season, it's actually come out really level. So I, that's just... That's quite fluky. But what I didn't want, what I wanted to do in this preseason was to make decisions without actually uh, having the buy structure impact my decision-making as a priority. I wanted to choose my team and then, okay, if I need to make some serious adjustments, then I need to go ahead and do that. But, you know, I just got lucky. I flicked it on five minutes before our pod and it was just straight level. So I I got really lucky. Um, So, therefore, I think my team uh, is pretty much finished, pretty happy with it. Um, yeah, so just one thing to look at your buy structure and how you want to play out that not only now but throughout the early rounds of the season and how you want to target that into the buy structure and how you want to come out of the, the buyers on the other end with where you want your premiums to sit in and what rounds especially you want them to sit in for scoring rate, especially when you've got a lower amount of players for those buyers. So just final thoughts. Um, again, obviously we're recording Sunday, not Monday, but final thoughts in for the next few day, days there, Jeff. Yeah, maintain your rules and, and keep finding the discounted premiums. I think don't lose sight of that. That That's, um, like I said before, it's tempting to see who performs in the Amy series, but it's a very long game and we've got to think accordingly. Um, and then, yeah, don't, don't panic too much about the rooks. Let's have the placeholders there. I would just, you know, when we do the pod next week and there's more information comes to light, um, just expect to pay up for your bench. I don't think it's realistic for everyone to think we're going to have, what, um, eight 190k um, rooks for our bench. That's not going to happen at all, and um, you need to plan accordingly for that. All right, that's it for this podcast. Again, Sunday, Monday record, and probably latest Monday night out or Monday afternoon. Hopefully we can get that done pretty quick for you guys uh, to give you at least 48 hours before round one. All right, so until then, thanks for listening in. Thanks, guys.